The German philosopher Nietzsche said, the true man wants two things, danger and play. And today's guest on the Legendary Life podcast is Mr. Danger and Play himself, Mike Cernovich. You may know his blog, dangerandplay.com. You may have heard him on the Mike Cernovich podcast on iTunes. And I've been speaking with Mike for a while on Facebook, and he's been traveling the world. And we finally got a time that worked for both of us. And I'm super happy to have him on the show today. He's a guy that many of you have requested by name. And I'm happy to have him on today because I believe that he has a lot of value to offer in the areas of mindset and understanding the world today and in the modern world and how men fit into it and how we can get what we want in life. And it's so important. And it all starts with mindset. He's also a best-selling author now, just came out with the book, Gorilla Mindset. And as I said, many of you know Mike Cernovich or have heard of him before. Many of you have not. And I'll tell you right now, Mike is a controversial guy. He says what he feels and, and he stands up for what he believes in. And I have a lot of respect for him because of that. But he also has a ton of haters, a lot of people who either misunderstand him or misrepresent what he stands for. Regardless of whether you're well aware of what Mike's up to or not, I want you to listen to this entire podcast. Mike rarely does interviews. I was trying to find some and there were none to be found. So this is a very special interview and Mike has a lot of great information on developing a powerful mindset and how it all starts with that. It all starts with our beliefs, our perspectives on things, and that in turn affects our behavior in our lives and how we react to things in the world. And if you want to develop a powerful mindset to live the type of life that you want, to enjoy the type of lifestyle that you want, Mike is going to help you do that today. So enough with the talk. Let's get to the interview with Mike Cernovich. Welcome back to another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Rice, and today I have a great guest for you. He is the host of the Mike Cernovich Podcast. He has a blog called DangerAndPlay.com. He's now a best-selling author of the book, Gorilla Mindset. His name is Mike Cernovich. Mike, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know you rarely do podcast interviews, so I definitely appreciate it, brother. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having this conversation. Cool. And let me ask you, why is it that you don't do podcast interviews so much? There's so many internet scammers and dirtbags and untrustworthy people that you have to treat your following with a lot of respect. And if I do a podcast with somebody and then I send people to that person and that person is not credible, then that is going to directly reflect on me. And I'm, I'm very protective of my guys. I kind of, I don't like the word fan or listeners or readers. I, I really do think of them as like friends and people I'm really trying to help out. So I have to be conscientious about who I associate with or else a guy gets ripped off. That's going to blow back onto me. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I really appreciate that. Even though uh, we don't really know each other, we know each other through Facebook, actually. We've gone back and forth a few times. And, you know, I think what you're doing is really fascinating. I also think you're really misunderstood. Some of your controversial views, I don't think are really that controversial. You're just trying to bring some light on some things that 
aren't being talked about. I want to get into all that and more. But first, when someone asks you, because I know you're traveling in the world right now, you're uh, talking to us from Paris, France, but you've been in Budapest and, and I believe it was either Switzerland or Sweden recently. Yeah, yeah, Switzerland. Switzerland. And so when someone asks you, hey, Mike, when they meet you in your travels, what is it that you do? How do you answer that question? You know, it used to be a really hard question to answer, especially when you're in Southeast Asia, where I was, where people don't have a conception of this internet thing. Because a lot of times what I do kind of feels like magic or voodoo. I'm like, you mean you just like write stuff on the internet and, you know, money shows up (laughs) and and your account every month. It really does feel weird. I've kind of just settled on the term writer now. You know, my book is out. The book is selling well. Even though I sell, I am a writer. So I kind of look at it as, and you're going to find this true for yourself too. You know, I'm a writer, but I'm also my own marketing and PR firm. Yes. Yes, definitely. And you have a really interesting way of marketing yourself. It's, I guess, using transparency, authenticity, and not being afraid to say what you think or how you feel. So before we get into all that, because I know you have a big following, a lot of people go to your website, you put up the numbers, I think it was like millions of people have been to your website since you started dangerandplay.com a few years back. But can you talk about how you got here, how you started this whole internet thing, because you're an attorney by training. Start from kind of the beginning growing up, because I think our formative experiences then start to play a part in what we end up doing later in life. So if you could start out just talking a little bit about your life and then your transition into what you're doing now. Okay. Well, I think a lot of people on the internet, I started off women. You know, there's this, I call it kind of the the hidden dirty secret of everybody who is on the internet. So me, you know, I got a mindset book out, you know, I write, do some social political commentary, but what brought me to the internet was, man, like I, I'm not a bad looking guy, you know, I'm kind of nice and I'm just like this women thing, you know, it's just not working out. So Danger and Play ultimately started off as writing about women and sex with women and my views on what women enjoy sexually and the the name of the website was based on a Nietzsche quote, which is, a real man needs two things, danger and play. Because of that, he chooses woman, the most dangerous play thing. <laughs> Love and I it. thought, that's, that's cool, yeah. And you think about it, you know, what gets us into trouble as men or even what we enjoy life, it's always women. You know, women make life really, really good or they make it really, really bad. And there is always an element of danger when you're dealing with a woman. And I thought, I thought yeah, you know, it's kind of cool. And nobody was really talking about the things online that I was talking about that I wanted to read about. So I just decided to write about it myself. Yeah. Awesome. That's cool. I've read that quote on your website, but I didn't read the whole thing, the other part that you mentioned. So I didn't know that that second half where women are the most dangerous playthings of all. So, so true. I know so many people who've started out going one direction. In fact, I had a guy on the show who wanted to be like an astrophysicist and then a woman happened, and then he got into relationship counseling as a way to sort of get past that. But Mike, let's go back a little bit deeper because I know you have a more interesting backstory that you've shared a little bit on your website. Can you talk a little bit about where you grew up and the things that got you talking about the things that you do today? Okay, so you mean like way, way back way in childhood? Back. Kind of, yeah, way back. I was 
And this is something you'll learn the more you travel a lot and the more like international people you meet is in America, there's actually like a character arc that many people follow and it's been covered in movies. And I was the proverbial, you know, fat kid who got bullied growing up. You know, that was definitely my beginning when I was, I don't know, seven or eight. I don't know why my friends just all decided that they didn't like me anymore and then would beat me up. I thought, like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. And I got picked on and bullied. And about the time I was 10, I started taking martial arts and then started training in martial arts. And then I learned that you have to fight back. That was where the, the beginning was. It was back in the day before Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, back in the day before UFC 1. So it's, it's kind of funny looking back now. You know, Guys your age, my age, you started off, you know, I did Taekwondo. You know, When you were our age and you were young and you got picked on, there was no such thing, at least where I grew up, as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. No, I man. had never even heard about it. Yeah. yeah, you just it was like the karate karate kid, Mr. Miyagi, you know, karate studio. So I started doing Taekwondo, I think, when I was 10. And I just learned that if you really push your body hard and you punch back hard, eventually you're going to get rid of all the guys who come after you. And that was kind of... I don't know. It's probably who I am today now, too. It's sort of, I don't go out looking for random people to fight with, but controversy tends to find me. And my outlook is the same with journalists who try to write about me, with people who want to start shit. When I was a, a fat kid, you know, you could bully me, but you couldn't bully me anymore when I got tougher, and you're not going to bully me now. Yeah, it's such a great point. I have a very similar backstory growing up in Miami. You know, I was a minority, I'm a white dude, in mm -hmm. case you didn't, nobody's ever right. seen me. Pretty white dude, not pretty, but I'm pretty white. Yeah, I uh, was skinny and weak instead of fat, so I got picked on by that. Plus the Dungeons and Dragons and listening to heavy metal in a place oh, where you were, you were a Satan worshiper then, right? Man, I got called that a lot. Yeah, and right. I had my books right. thrown, and so so yeah, that was in middle school mostly. Things started to change for me. So let's keep going, Mike. So you were bullied in school. What got you into the law thing? And then how did you get out? So I love hearing people's backstory because I, I think it puts everything that you're doing into a much more detailed context. So after the bullying thing, what led you to become an attorney? And what led you to get out and start writing about sex, about what is going on with a lot of these men in the US and the modern world, I guess. Well, I have a really strong anti-authoritarian streak, and I really like underdogs. So I said, you know, if you're a lawyer, you defend criminals because everybody hates criminals, right? You know, how can you defend guilty people? Because, of course, everybody's guilty unless it's you in handcuffs. And then suddenly, you know, people care a lot about the Constitution. So I've always liked underdogs, and I've always really, really hated authority, hated it. And that got me into law into wanting to you know, represent and protect people's rights. And then that led me to the whole internet man world or whatever, because right now the underdogs are men. You know, you're a man and you say the wrong thing on Twitter, or you give somebody the wrong look, or you make one false move and it's your ass. They will come after you. And I realized that, you know, like you said, you like the backstory. If there's a theme in me, the theme is that I just really don't like authority and I really like underdogs. I don't like bullies. And right now, it's men who are getting bullied. And it, people laugh, you know, because, I don't know, because they've been brainwashed into thinking men have all the power. Few men have the power. But most men are just trying to get by, trying to figure their lives out. They feel kind of lost. They feel like nobody's sticking up for them. And I, I saw that group of marginalized people and said, fuck it. That's, that's who I want to work with. That's who I want my audience to be. 
Yeah, no, there's a lot of gold in there, man. And, you know, I felt like that for a long time as well. Just even though I'm like you, I was a total rebel, never graduated from college, had a bunch of problems that that the listeners, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know about. So let's get into that because I've read several of your articles in preparation for this interview. Let's talk specifically, first of all, about like the US, about the modern world, because, you know, I don't think the hunter and gatherer tribes that are still around have this issue with masculinity. What is the war on? Is there a war on men? Because you even have a podcast episode named that. Is, do you still feel that way? What are your thoughts on that? There is definitely a war on masculinity. And it's easy to understand that. My nickname from the, the weirdo social justice warriors, they call me Juice Bro. <laughs> and the, you know, the idea is because I do sell a, a green juicing book. And you know, I have talked before about using anabolic steroids in my past. And you know, I had no problem mentioning that. And they think that you know, when you're a bro, as if that, that is a term of derision. Because I go to the gym and I drink green juice. Or even if I've taken steroids, what is that? How is that even insulting? So the fact that they use those very languages to attack you shows that there is a war. There's so many examples for countless. We'll give one big one is when you and I grew up and you met a woman and you hooked up, the next day you did not think, fuck, I better – well, we didn't have cell phones. But you didn't think, I better save my text message because what if you know, she said I raped her? You know, I better have some cover here. I better have an alibi. But I bet you if you talked to most of the men who listen to your show, a great many of them would tell you, yeah, I mean I, I save my text messages. You have to because – you never know when your number is going to come up or a girl is going to say you raped her and your life will be over. Right. I've never personally experienced that. Although I have had an issue with, with a woman who said that I was the one who got her pregnant, actually. And right. she was a total psycho and had been hooking up with all the personal trainers in this gym, man. Right. I was like, listen, <laughs> you know, I, t I told her, I'm like, listen, Okay, I get it, but we're going to have to take a paternity test and make sure. Never heard from her again. And uh, I actually, before I hooked up with her, my buddy, we're a friendly acquaintance. We weren't like that close of friends, but he was like, man, you got to watch out for her. She's looking to hook up with personal trainers, she's into muscular guys, and, and she wants to have a baby. And that's one of the things you talk about that are, I guess, it's controversial to say because there is a narrative going on in society. Like you said, men are bad, men are to blame for all the woes in the world, which, ah, you know, there's some bad men doing some bad things, but it's not cool to talk about women who are right. doing this stuff. And that's something that you talk a lot about and something I've had a bunch of experience with as well. I mean, women can totally ruin your life if you get involved with the wrong one. And it's about people, not necessarily gender, right? Yeah, the, the kind of the signature example I give people is I say, these people, these guys are going to the nightclubs and they're, they're putting bottle service on credit cards and they're getting drunk and throwing up on the sidewalks. And they're just – they need to man up and they need to change their lives. And everybody like, yeah, fuck yeah, men, man up, grow up, you little boys. But then if I said, you know, what is up with these skanks putting on their high heels and dancing on tables and they're in credit card debt? They live off their fathers who pay them rent money. What is wrong with women? They need to get their fucking act together. Whoa, 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 you're a misogynist. You, you know, why do you hate women? It's like I don't hate men. I mean I'll – I'll be the first to say men need to kind of fix their lives, and that's what I try to do is help men. But boy, if I say anything bad about women, 
suddenly I hate women. I'm a misogynist. That's what they go with. Yeah. And I've seen that play out because I've been, you know, following you on, on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook. Now that you joined Facebook, not that long ago, or at least you, right. you weren't I that was very, active. It was locked down. Yeah. I, I used to keep my Facebook very locked up. Yeah, now you've opened it up, and even recently there was some controversy, and they called you a racist, and they called you a misogynist, and uh, I don't believe that to be true about you, by the way. I believe you say certain things, and you say it in a way, I don't know if you're deliberately trying to provoke an emotional response from people. Yeah, of course, of course I am. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, man. of course. Yeah, but if you're so weak-minded and easily offended that, I mean, you know, I don't agree with everything that I've read from you, Mike, and probably just like, you know, nobody agrees with everything I say yeah. or anybody else, but you don't want to be so weak-minded that you let a, one little thing trigger you to get offended and you know, you keep on with the attacks. I don't know. It's just kind of ridiculous. Anyway, I went down a tangent. What I want to get back to though, we had a little technical issue, but we're back. That's uh, the price you got to pay for connecting over the internet, Mike. But what we were talking about before is just the oppression of men. And the point I was trying to bring up before by mentioning Miami and the types of women here, it's like, can you put that into context, how it is here in the US versus the rest of the world that you're traveling? Yeah, there's generally speaking, a lack of femininity among Western women. They're very hard to distinguish from men. You know, they cuss like men, they yell like men, they throw fits like men. And they, um, have this entitlement mentality, which is that, well, if I just show up, I'm a girl, the world needs to do whatever I do. They need to bend to my will. They need to pay for everything. Oh, but I am a strong, independent woman. So you have this weirdness where women want to act like they should be treated like strong, independent women. But then as a man, you're at their whim. You have to pay for everything. You're expected to play those traditionally masculine roles, but they don't provide any feminine counterbalance to it. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about is the reason why I haven't really been attracted to or dated many American girls ever in my 38 years. Yeah, And I have the luxury of being here in Miami Beach. I've dated a lot of Brazilians, Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Ukrainians, whatever, but women from all around the world, but only probably maybe a couple of American women. Do you hear from a lot of your listeners, is that something that they're really struggling with? is this issue with American women and how they're more aggressive and masculine and trying to find their place in a relationship with them. I think the bigger issue now is men are just kind of tired of them and aren't even really that interested in dating. Back when the culture has changed a lot in 10 years, so say 10 or 15 years ago, guys like me would think, well, you know, I'll figure out this whole dating thing. And that's what a lot of people did. But a lot of guys more and more are saying, it's just not worth it. I'm going to find a way to make a living on the internet and leave America. So what I hear more and more from my guys is not, well, how can I have better relationships with American women? What I'm hearing from them is, okay, Mike, like, how do I do what you do? How do I get out of here? And that's how fast things have changed where more and more men are saying, it's just not even worth it. Not even worth it to be in the U.S. at all? Well, to be around women who are unpleasant. I mean, let's face it. If you're a man, you care about what? Your health, you care about money, and you care about relationships with women and then your family, right? Ultimately, we're pretty simple. Okay. Well, in the U.S., you can still make money. You can go to the gym. But that leaves out women. 
the way that you deal with women and encounter women is always going to be a major part of your life. And as a man, you're never going to be really fulfilled unless you're – I'm not saying you have to get married to be in a relationship. But if you're a man and you have all kinds of money, great body or you're strong or whatever, but you aren't interacting with women in a meaningful way, you're not going to be that happy. So there aren't that many women worth talking to anymore. That's why men are thinking, I got to get out of here. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is a generalization and not something that I can actually talk a lot about, you know, speaking about women, because I'm just not around it at all. You know, I'm just not around very many American women. And the American women who are down here tend to have a different approach to things just because the culture. I mean, there's plenty of gold diggers here, there's plenty of party girls here. So let's talk a little bit more about this whole thing with men. And you had a really interesting blog post article that you wrote on how our fathers are kind of failing their sons, right? Failing right. their sons. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you view that and what that has to do with a lot of men's behavior today? Yeah, I kind of figured that out, oh, I don't know, a year or two ago. I used to be a little bit more kind of clownish because I was just having fun online and I realized a lot of these guys really look up to me. And I was, that, that wasn't really what I ever wanted to do. But then I started to hear from more and more of them. And a lot of them, they didn't have a father at all. They grew up in single parent households or they had a father, but he was just another, you know, schlub telling them, yeah, just go. If you want to meet a woman, go bring flowers to her house and just be a nice guy, follow the rules. Don't rock the boat. Be a conformist. Be a mindless drone. Go to college. Do what everybody tells you to do. So men either don't have fathers at all or they're having fathers who have been essentially emasculated. So they don't really have any kind of conception of what it means to be a man, and that's what they're trying to figure out. Well, what does it mean to be a man? So I'll put that back at you. This is kind of a hard question, so don't feel um, too on the spot, but what does being a man mean to you? You know, this is something I thought a lot about. But I would say a man puts himself first and builds his own personal power through exercise, through mindset. He's a guy who thinks independently of what everyone else is saying. You take other people's input, of course, but ultimately you go your own way based on what you feel is the right thing for yourself. There's a great quote probably going to murder it a little bit, but it's basically warriors are the only ones who can choose pacifism. All others are condemned to it. I really believe in that ability to stand up physically in the face of danger. And I believe, I know I've had Jack Donovan on here. He talks about the difference between being a good man and good at being a man. And I believe to be the best man you can be is a combination of those two. So being good at being a man, the honor, the strength, the loyalty, the mastery over skills, but also having, because uh, I believe that human beings are inherently good, meaning that we want to communicate with each other. We want to have a good time with each other. If we're mentally healthy, at least that's the way I look at it. Anyway, that's kind of my beliefs. It's not so concise, but uh that's kind of my philosophy on what it means to be a man. Well, great. So then my next question would be, where are men going to learn this? Who's, yeah. who's teaching that to them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's why you have this podcast, because there's a vacuum. And that was the reason I started Danger and Play was I was reading Esquire magazine, and I had read it for years, and I'd read GQ. I read it, and I just felt 
I threw it across the, the room and I thought, what the fuck is this shit? You know, what is this pussy shit that there's an Esquire? And then GQ, they hired a woman who used to work at Jezebel, actually. And I thought, a man's magazine now hires women who hate men to write for them. So I liked your thought out definition of masculinity. And it's a good one. Whether our listeners agree with it or not, doesn't matter. The point is, who is teaching that to men? Right? They got to go to a podcast. They got to go to websites. They got to buy books. They're not getting that at home from their fathers. Most aren't. Yeah, man. And even my dad was not a wuss at all, but he wasn't around very much. He was a hardworking guy. He was actually an attorney, Mike. And oh, he was traveling right. a lot for business. He was also a defense attorney, which I guess you alluded to you being. Right. One as well, a defense attorney for uh, labor in labor law. So he would be defending bigger businesses against, say, uh, labor unions and whatnot. I'm sure you know that, but just for the listeners' edification. But yeah, he wasn't around much. And even when he was, we didn't spend much of the time talking about it. And I've mentioned that before. So what is the answer? How do you get guys on track in their lives and you know what? Even let's back up before that. What is your definition of being a man? Because I'm very curious. My definition is if I had to put it in a word or a phrase, I would just call it force of will. If you're a man, you have to exercise force of will to get what you want. If you want something, you have to take it. And that's what it means to be a man, to impose your will on life, on a situation. And that's the kind of thing that, of course, is interpreted and why I'm so controversial. It's like, well, that means if you want a woman, you just rape her, right? I've actually, people have actually said that. Well, Mike said, if you want something, you better take it. That's rape, rape advocacy. It's like, no, you know, there's obviously more to it than that, but it's just the idea that like, you know, okay, you have a podcast. You didn't wait. Oh, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe somebody will think they like me and maybe they'll let me be on the radio show. And, you know, maybe, you know, I'll figure this out. You know, you just, there was no, maybe you just said, this is what I want to do. I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do it, but I'm going to. I will, and I'm going to impose my will on the situation. And ultimately, that is what masculinity means to me is exercising your will, imposing your will on reality. If you apply that to your life, then you will get whatever you want, but you have to take it. Nobody's going to give you anything. Yeah, I love that, man. That's a little more concise than my uh, explanation. I like it. And yeah, I mean, I think people look to start shit, especially on the internet, and especially with people like yourself who are making an impact because you get so many comments on your blog posts, your articles, and guys are really opening up. It's not just, oh, cool article, Mike. I've read some very interesting comments that you've impacted these guys and you've helped them to see what the issue is in their life and to give some practical advice on how to deal with it. So let's get to that point because I know you're a huge believer in, in mindset. So let's start with that. What do you say to guys who are not getting what they want in their life? They're not imposing their will. They're not exercising the force of their will to get the type of relationship they want, to get the type of job they want, to make the money, whatever that is, to get the body they want. Let's start there. What does a guy need to do to start embracing this philosophy? Well, that's the real reason I did Gorilla Mindset was just to kind of troubleshoot why you're not getting what you want. Because 
a lot of times we're not getting what we want because we have a belief that, okay, if I'm in a bad mood, well, I'm just in a bad mood. And I don't feel like I'm in a bad mood. And nobody think about this, right? When growing up in school, did a teacher say, well, you know, if you're in a bad mood, you shouldn't just accept that that's your mood. You should understand that you should change your mood. And here is a step-by-step kind of change your mood. Nobody teaches that, right? You don't learn that in school. You don't learn that the way you talk to yourself and the conversations you have with yourself are going to impact your mood and they're going to change your productivity because you know, most guys, if you think, well, you know, you're a guy, you're, there's rape culture, you're a piece of shit, masculinity is bad, and then you internalize it and then you don't have any energy. I'm like, well, why I don't have any energy to go to the gym. Well, yeah, because you're beating yourself up just like the world is beating you up. I always say to guys, okay, write out when you don't feel like doing something, Write out the conversations you have. And usually what guys find is that they're just really negative, negative thought patterns, negative talking patterns. And when you change those up, you become more productive and then you you slowly get a lot stronger. Yeah. So that's what you go into in your book, which I haven't checked out, but I've read rave reviews about it. And it's a best-selling book on Amazon right now. Yeah, it did really well. I was... I never published a book before, so I didn't have any idea how well it would do. But yeah, it did well. The way I wrote it was just every time I would have a problem, I would think, well, you know, why am I having this problem? Or, you know, there, there's a lot of weird things about your body. So I'll ask you a question. I'll sure. answer it first, but then I'll ask you is, you know, when I get angry, I kind of feel like tightness in my quads for some bizarre reason I don't know. So I found that if I just stretch a little bit or maybe I do some squats, Suddenly, I don't really feel that anger anymore. And then I realized that a lot of times what you think of as anger is just, you're just your body's achy or maybe you just need exercise. So you, when you get angry, do you feel that in any part of your body? Yeah, probably. I do a lot of stretching. I'm a little bit high strung in some ways. Mm-hmm. I actually don't get angry much like talking to people or online or in person very much at all. But I have bad road rage. Mm-hmm. And uh, in part, it's because I follow the rules because I believe it's better to stop at a stop sign than just run right. it, you know, like people do here in Miami Beach. But yeah. I, I feel it, yeah, probably in my neck, my jaw. Yeah, I get tense there a lot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what you can do then is you just learn to stretch that muscle area out and then the anger, the feeling of anger kind of goes away, you know, because you, you think about it all the time. You know, I, I think about this stuff all the time. It's like, well, like, what is anger? Well, it's an emotion. Well, what is an emotion? Well, emotion's a feeling. Well, what is a feeling, right? It doesn't really make any sense. You know, I think about it all the time. And very often, it's just chemistry in your body. And by adjusting your body and moving your body, then you can get rid of that anger. Or I don't really get angry, but I get, like, frustrated. I'm a very impatient person. And that is definitely my biggest foible. So, I don't like if you and I get into a disagreement, I'm like, yeah, f- I hate that guy. You know, I can't, who does he think he is? You know, I'm not angry like that, but I'm just more like, you know, this computer won't work. I'm going to throw it up against the wall. You know, this, <laughs> it needs to do whatever I want to do it now. And then I realize when you get angry, your body like tenses up, right? You're like, uh, and then you realize, okay, well, if you feel angry and you're going to lean forward, right? And you're just like your neck is tense. And so you realize, well, if you're angry, why don't you just sit back a little bit, stretch it out, right? And then you're like, whoa, I'm not really angry anymore. What happened? Well, I don't know the physics behind it, but if you're going in one direction, and that's how I tend to think of emotions. Anger is an emotion, and anger brings you in one direction. Anger brings you closer to whatever that source of conflict is. So if you have road rage, you're like 
you know, maybe you point your finger and, you know, I've had it. Fuck you, you know. And if you look at your chin is sticking out a little bit, you're leaning into them, right? That's anger. And when you let your body lean into it, you're going to get angrier. But if you just in the moment say, oh, okay, take a deep breath into my stomach and I'm just going to lean back. Suddenly, you're like, oh, okay, I'm not quite as angry anymore. So there's all this mind-body connection and emotional connection and, and posture connection. And that's ultimately like what gorilla mindset is, is how do you control your thoughts? How do you control your emotions? Well, you, you look into your body and you kind of deconstruct you deconstruct it because everybody is different. So I, for example, am very introverted. So there's a conversation going on in my head all day, every day. I take long walks. I think about things. So for me, the way I talk to myself is what is going to matter most. That's what I have to be most mindful of. But other people, especially extroverts, they're more like a feeling type. So for them, they need to focus more on you know, mood control and learn exercises that can change their mood because self-talk doesn't really impact them as much. So you want to always troubleshoot it. So if you say, well, you know, I, I'm really anxious, then I would say, okay, you have anxiety, which everybody has, especially men who want to meet women. Well, let's troubleshoot. You have anxiety. Well, how do you feel? Well, you know, your breath changes. Okay, well, instead of saying, well, I have anxiety, how do I conquer anxiety? Well, your breath is becoming shallow when you're anxious. Therefore, to conquer your anxiety, I'm going to teach you how to breathe in through your stomach and do meditative breathing. And a lot of people say, well, I, but I have anxiety. You know, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, well, no, your anxiety is linked to a physiological state in your body. So rather than how do we get over the anxiety? I'm, I'm stressed. Just know we're going we're gonna to calm you down. We're going to have you breathe in deeply through your stomach. Physiologically, your body is going to change. That, in turn, is going to change your psychology. And then guys do it. And that's why my – I don't like the term following. I'll, I'll call it – I like to call my guys. That's why my guys are really sort of engaged because a lot of what I say sounds really off the wall. And they do it, and they're like, well, holy shit, you know, this, this stuff really works. And that's what I always tell people is when you feel an emotion, whether that's anxiety, anger, frustration, impatience, find out what is happening in your body and then do the opposite. So if you're anxious, your breath is shallow, do the opposite. Breathe deeply through your stomach. If you're angry and your muscles are flexing and you're going forward towards the situation, do the opposite. Loosen your body up lean back suddenly your mood changes crazy right yeah man i love this and i just want to recap the two big lessons that i think you've brought up today the first one is that basically men if they're unhappy and they're not getting what they want in life it's because they haven't been taught the skills and mindset and that's arguably a skill too of right. you know how to get it in school your dad, society, nobody's teaching you that except guys like you, Mike, and me, and all the other people who are trying to help men out there. And then the second thing that you said is learn how to deal with emotions through your physiology. Do the opposite. And I'll tell you something, in the fitness world, there's a lot of arguing back and forth about what is scientifically valid and what is not. And I love what you just said there, because it's very practical, it's very straightforward, it's easy to understand. And, you know, there is a scientific backing for it. But what you're talking about is getting people results and not necessarily having to explain the entire process. Yeah, I love it, dude. What are some other 
like what maybe another one or two things that you talk about in Gorilla Mindset that's really necessary for guys to get a handle on to get what they want in life, to live the type of life they want to live? Well, health and fitness is important. And I look at health and fitness from a different perspective. And I think that's why I agreed to do your show because I like your perspective on fitness. You said something in one of your Facebook posts that I said in Gorilla Mindset. You said, you explain the way you train and you go, you know, maybe I'm not as ripped as I used to be or as big as I was, but my body just feels good. Yeah. You know? And that was where I went. Like I used to just, I would do, you know, some trends some testosterone, master on, and I would do these really brutal workouts and I'd be limping around everywhere. I was always sore. My, my joints ached and I just thought, man, like, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? So my health and fitness approach, approach has changed to just say, just want to feel good. You want a body that feels good and works with you rather than against you. And when you look at it that way, there are things like, you know, you take an aspirin. Well, aspirin thins your blood, and if you have better blood flow to your body and to your heart, you have better blood flow to your brain. So I tend to look at health and fitness from a mindset perspective. You know, how does going to the gym actually make you smarter? How does it help you control your emotions? And that is an, a major thing that guys need to do, especially nerdier guys. A lot of guys are like, well, I don't want to be a big guy. I don't want to be a bro. And I tell them, no, but if you want to be smart, if you want to make the most out of your brain, if you want to have the most emotional control, then you have to go to the gym. Now, that can mean you know, lifting weights or with you, you just do those like animal movements, right? Body weight exercise. It's actually gymnastic inspired routines and like I mentioned in that post, nobody would be too impressed if they saw me doing the exercises because they're building me up to more badass exercises, but I'm not doing anything too amazing right now, right? If you would look at it, but I'm getting results. And you feel good, right? Your I body feel feels great, good. man. Yeah. You know, and that's what I'm after. That is one of the big changes is, you know, you said a word that, well, if somebody watched me, nobody would be impressed. Well, yeah, who cares, right? And as you get older, that mindset changes where it isn't about ego. It isn't about – and that's why the fitness community is so toxic and why I avoid it as a rule is you, know, you take your shirt off and they're like, oh, but you, know, you don't have four abs or your, your calves are too small relative to your deltoids. And you think, well, what a – it's very toxic. And, and that – I even talk about that in terms of mindset. So, Yeah, like go into that, things. please, because okay. – I've been in the fitness industry for 17 years. I want to strangle some of these guys because I was that guy who is like, I felt like that before I started getting into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and changing my whole approach to things. And I was a beautiful man, you know, all ripped and tanned and looking pretty, yeah. but my life sucked. I was not doing that well with women. Although I attract them, they were attracted to me. I couldn't get what I want because I didn't have the other skills. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know a lot of people don't work out because they're not attracted to all that nonsense in the, the fitness industry. I figured it out, which is you, know, you can look at the world from an abundance mindset and a scarcity mindset. An abundance mindset would just be gratitude for what you have. And you think, wow, you know, I got this working, moving body. And this isn't true for everybody. You know, everybody is in their own you know, unique place in life. But you think, wow, I, you know, I'm, I'm alive. This is amazing. I'm grateful for what I have. Fitness is inherently scarcity. What are my weak points? Well, okay, well, your, your hamstrings aren't etched in. You don't have your obliques dialed in and your deltoids are a little small. You need to fix your deltoid in the back. And uh, you're, you know, men, grown men talk about bloat, right? <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, you know, like, yeah, you know, and they pinch like a little, you know, centimeter of water edema. Oh yeah, I got bloat. And, and, and I just thought, what a feminized, like 
negative culture and that's what they do. If, if you, if you, like guy like you, you take your shirt off, you, your body looks great, right? You, you post that on bodybuilding.com and they'll be drawing, you know, circles around it and, and you think, well, that's because it, it's inadequacy. That's what drives the fitness industry. The same thing that drives the fitness industry is what drives the women industry, which is cosmetics, insecurity, fear. Well, if you're a man, you're not big enough or you're not ripped enough. Buy our supplements. Read, read our muscle comic books. Do this. Do that. So you're focused. And that's another thing I talk about in terms of mindset. And if you're in fitness, you focus on your weak point. You don't focus on your strong points, do you? You think, well, I could bring up this lagging body part, right? Listen yeah. to fitness people, how they talk. The Everything is about a lagging body part, a weak point, a bloat, a, a this, a that. Nobody just says, you know, I look pretty good, man. I'm pretty happy, yeah. I could get a little bit more ripped or I could get a little bit more bigger. You know, you can always have more, but I'm, you know, this is pretty cool. You know, how often do you develop or do you, you come into a, a guy with fitness who just says, you know, I, I like my body. Like I like it. I, I'm improving it almost never. Right. Very insecure people. Very insecure. I even had a client of mine who's like, oh, I want to be more ripped, you know, than you. And, and it's like, he's looking pretty good. I was like, listen, do you understand what people have to go through to step right. up on stage, the cutting diets, all that, the fitness models on the men's health covers, and they don't look like that all the time, or they're on drugs, or they're, they're doing some weird diet, or they got super genetics, and they're just naturally super shredded and don't have to work hard at that. And yeah, you're so right. I've never thought about it the way you're talking about right now, Mike, but that's exactly what's kind of turned me off from fitness. And I think it's, it's spilled over from that also into the scientific realm. And I know yeah. you and I both have some mutual Facebook friends and you've yeah. seen those arguments before. And it's like, yeah. are you getting results for people? Are you inspiring them to do something better than what they were doing before? And nobody is 100% fucking right about anything, any of this stuff anyway. So I don't want to get off on, get up on my pedestal. Well, but no, but yeah, no, but that's good because that's related to mindset. And I used to be one of those annoying little forum bitches too. And, and I realized here's how I changed. And again, it's like a mindset shift. Let's say you and I talk and, or let's say you do a podcast or an article and you make 10 points. The old me, the scarcity of mindset me, I would find one thing that I didn't like or that I thought was wrong. And I'd be like, yeah, just rage post how wrong you are. And now I look at things from like abundance. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, I think that's a little bit weak. But the other eight points are because how can you be right at eight points and nobody's going to talk about the eight points you're right about, right? Or the, oh, the, the good message. Yeah. They want to find that one little thing and they want to nitpick it and they want to treat that little minutia like it matters. But what did I find out? The fitness people, the people who do that, are, they're unhappy. They're miserable. They feel inadequate. And why? Well, because this mindset, instead of just saying, yeah, you know, I got common ground with this guy, you know, I, th I think he's wrong about that, but these other eight points are good. So let's talk about the good article, right? And maybe talk a little bit about the weak point. So you never see, for example, let's say you post an article and you make 10 points. The new me, first of all, I wouldn't argue. I don't argue with people anymore. At least I try not to. The, the old me would find one point and boy, I'm going to show everybody that I'm an alpha male and I'm going to take you out, right? The new me would say, hey, you know, Ted, these eight points were really good, and I had thought of it that way. But, you know, this ninth point, you know, have you kind of thought about it this way? And then you could be like, well, no, I mean, I really hadn't, you know, who knows? And then you could have a, a fruitful conversation. But you never see that, do you? No. I mean, uh, I've actually had both, thankfully, and I'm getting more positive people 
I don't get too many people critiquing my stuff, even though I know, I mean, at one point, as you know, as a content creator, I'm at a point where I can't spend all my time going over every single detail of everything I put out there. So there are going to be some mistakes. Maybe I try to get rid of all of the mistakes, but maybe something I said wrong because, you know, if I spend a year preparing a one podcast, I can make it completely as perfect as you could make it. But I'm putting out these every week and uh, I'm doing my best, man. And I'm getting a lot of good feedback as a result. But yeah, you're so right. And for the guy who's listening right now, if you feel like you're like how Mike used to be, and by the way, I used to be on forums. I'm not like that anymore, thank God, before Facebook really blew up. Right, Mike? Because a lot of people look like complete idiots now on Facebook. It's so obvious to see and you can see all their life and who they are and all their pictures. Whereas before on forums, it was more anonymous. That was a good point that you brought up, which is the uh, the younger guys won't appreciate it back when you had email listservs and there was no Google. I couldn't Google Ted Rice. What does he look like? Who's his girlfriend? You would just have your little handle and we would just pound at each other. And then what really changed me and why I quit arguing the internet is I would get all these like hater comments on my, on my danger play. And then I would go into Facebook and enter in the person's email address and find their profile. And I would say, what a fucking loser. Who are these people? Why? I wouldn't talk to these idiots in real life. Why the fuck am I going to get mad and argue with them all day on the internet? They're fucking nobody. So yeah, that was a real game changer. So yeah, now an idiot posts something on Facebook and you click over his profile and you're like, that guy wouldn't ever come close to me in real life. That guy's a fucking idiot. So if I talk to him now and argue with him, then he's not the idiot. I'm the fucking idiot right now. Yeah, that's a great point, man. And for the guys who maybe feel like they're at that point where they're maybe hating too much, what would you say to them to switch? I know you already talked about the abundance versus scarcity mindset, but what would you say to that guy to start making that shift over into stop wasting time trying to be alpha, right? Fighting on the internet. And when you're just some skinny dweeb who has no girlfriend, you know, on your computer at home and in your parents' basement, like, how do you get him to start stepping up and start becoming this abundant thinking guy? I like to think of it in terms of I ask guys, you know, what do you win? What do you win? If I read an article that Ted Rice wrote or listen to a podcast and he makes 10 points and I ignore the nine points that are good to argue with him about the one, what do I win if you say, you know, what, Mike, you're 100% right. That was a really dumb point. Can't believe I wrote it. Wow, you're such an alpha male. I haven't won anything. But if there is five, six, seven good points in there and I take one of those things and I apply it to my life, well, now I've won knowledge. I've won you know, something that I can apply to my life. So yeah, I think people need to be more, more purposeful and just say, you know, and, and I tell myself this sometimes too as I say, I'm about to type something. I'm like, what do you win? What do you really get out of this? How is your life going to improve by letting somebody know on the internet that they're wrong? And more and more, like all you do is people don't like you. I'm not going to name any names, but you'll know right away who I'm talking about. There's a guy who I think knows more about fat loss than probably maybe anybody in the world. And he's never really had the career he should have because he's a very acrimonious, very toxic person. <laughs> Lyle McDonald. Oh, sorry. I had something caught <laughs> in my throat. Names. Yeah. Man, this guy knows – this guy's brilliant, you know, but people just don't want to be around him because you know like, oh, God, if I post one thing, he's going to pounce on it. 
what has that got him? He's, he's not a happy person. He doesn't have the kind of money he should have. He should be have one of the biggest names anywhere. But instead, people are just like, you know, I don't want to be around him. So these younger guys out there who are thinking about that, you got to ask yourself, in 10 years from now of arguing people on the internet, what are you going to have? You're going to have a miserable fucking life. Yeah, man, that's so true. You know, I don't know who you were talking about, Mike, but uh, I did. <laughs> Lyle McDonald is someone who's personally attacked me. He unfriended me, so he's not around anymore on, on my Facebook. But yeah, he called me a chest thumping dipshit and something else and a bunch of other things. It was actually pretty fun messing around with him because uh, I actually took screenshots of our exchanges and I told him, I was like, man, I, I thought my first hater would be a nobody. You know, right. just some, but you, Lyle, you're somebody, bro. So thank you. Thank exactly. you for the compliment. But to keep it real, I feel bad for people like that. And it's so true, man. What do you win out of that? That's a great way of looking at it. And yeah, if you're thinking about doing something because you're triggered, perhaps you see something wrong, or perhaps you see something, someone say something that you don't agree with, give it a pause and do what Mike says and think about. What are you going to win? Because I have a theory about this, and it'll be a long time before they do any research to validate it, but we're getting these little shots of neurochemicals like dopamine. When we're doing stuff like that, you're like, yeah, I feel good. Laid into them. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like an addiction. And you don't, like you said, man, you don't win anything for it. Nobody really cares about that point you made on a Facebook post. Yeah, and that's a great point that you made, which is that it becomes a negative pattern because it's self-reinforcing. You know, you're like, you know, like you get a rush, like, yeah, fuck yeah. But if you don't step away from that rush, you because you get a rush from doing heroin, you get a rush from doing a lot of drugs. If you don't think, well, I got a rush, but like, how does my life improve? What has gotten better in my life? Again, it's the same thing with people in their, um, you know, Instagram lives. You know, I try to t- talk to people on the internet and about their web businesses, and I just stopped because I would tell them, okay, you got all these Instagram likes on your hot little body. Great. Congratulations. How many people contacted you? Well, what do you mean? You know, Well, it's Instagram. I'm a big deal. It's like, okay, but what is this actually leading to a, an improvement in your business? Is it actually yielding big results? What They either don't know or they don't care because they're addicted to those little hearts. And it's easy to because it is like a drug. It is that dopamine rush. That's why I always ask people too on the internet, the social media queens and everything else that you you encounter in fitness. I go, okay, you got all these likes, but what is your business metric? Did that get you more readers? Did it get you more, um, if you're doing coaching, how many coaching clients did you get? Most people, they don't have any idea. They're just collecting likes to get that ego fill. And that's because we are essentially social media drug addicts. Social media drug addicts. Wow. That is... uh... You should uh, definitely write something about that because I've never heard it put that way. But man, that's what it is. Like, 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 oh God, oh, more people liked it. I'll be honest. I'm a little bit, I think we're all a little bit like that. Oh, come on. Yeah. No, I mean, like there's a rush to it, but the way you channel that into a positive way is to look into like a business outcome. So for example, I post pictures of myself and other different things on Instagram when one gets the most likes. I'm like, okay, that is what the people like. So I'm going to post that on Danger and Play. So, but it, it's directed towards like a goal. It's directed towards some kind of purpose. So it isn't an end in itself. It isn't like, okay, I feel really pumped up now. I got all these little hearts and I got these retweets. It's more like, well, yeah, I mean, I got it, which is good, but it's actually leading to something else. And that's how you sort of channel 
you know, you train jujitsu. It's all the same concept as, okay, we're, you and I and every other human being, we can talk a big game, but we want approval from other people. We want successful men to say that we're men they look up to. We want hot women to say, boy, I sure would like to be with that guy. We want younger people to admire us. That, that's the, the monkey nature of our brain. Great. So what you got to do, though, is not let that hijack you. Your little monkey brain gets hijacked. And you're like, boy, I got all these likes. All these people like me. But like my life is miserable and you know, I don't have a job. I don't have a career. I'm not making any money. I'm not actually meeting women because when you become addicted to that, you're trying to fill a void inside of you that can never be filled. The ego can never be fully satisfied. So what happens, and you've seen this with fitness people, and I think you, you hinted at it earlier, is you're like, boy, I got this hot body. I got like 300 likes on Instagram, but I don't have the self-confidence to date an attractive woman yeah. because I'm terrified that she's going to cheat on me because I don't feel full and complete in myself as a man. That's when it becomes a problem. Yeah, man. Wow. That's just so well said. You're dropping some serious, uh, well, let's call them insight bombs, not knowledge bombs, but uh, no, awesome, Mike. I'm really enjoying this conversation. I didn't know how it was going to go down. Mike, could I ask you a few more questions? I know we're coming yep. up on hour. I would like to maybe take it a little less conceptual, a little bit more practical. Are there any type of morning rituals, exercise routines, supplements, things that you do to keep you at your best on a regular basis? Yeah, I have. I wrote all about that in um, Gorilla Mindset. And I also have a Danger and Play a daily routine and a brain warm up. So I'm, I'm a really big believer in contrast showers. You know, you take the water as hot as you can and then you, then you get it fully, fully cold. I'm a big believer in. Actually, I just did this in uh, Switzerland with Shauna, actually, day before yesterday. No, it was yesterday. You go into a hot sauna. Yeah. And then you go outside into a cold shower, as cold as you can be. And then you go back into the sauna. And I'm a real big believer in. And this is where the fitness people get angry. Toxins. There's no such thing as toxins. Define toxin. What do you mean? Are you the fit babe, right? The fitness people get so angry at that. But I've learned from experience that if you smell your sweat, that when you're in a good state of mind, your shirt is going to smell clean. But when you're in a bad state of mind, your shirt is going to smell, I don't know if it's cortisol or pheromones or whatever language people want to use. I don't really care if I use the right terminology. So I'm a real big believer in every day, sweating out, call them toxins, call them whatever you want. Also the cold water, uh, the contrast therapy is a big deal. And then I kind of have this um, brain warm up that I read in a book years ago that I do. And that really gets your brain, really gets your brain supercharged. It wouldn't really make sense if I said it right now on the podcast, but anybody can find that for free at Danger and Play. Just type in brain warm up. And I also, um, it's all in Gorilla Mindset too. Awesome. Okay, so brain warm up, contrast showers. Awesome, Mike. Dude, I really have enjoyed this conversation. I didn't know what direction it was going to go in. I've never spoken to you before. You know, I know you're a controversial guy, but you also put out great information. And I'm blown away, man. I, I really love your take on things. I think you're very insightful. I think you're very intelligent and analytical. And you've tried a lot of this stuff. So thank you so much for being on this show today, Mike. I, I really appreciate it, man. No, it's, it's a fun talk. You know, I like what you're doing. You're doing what I tell everybody who wants to build a web business, which is you just have to hit it hard, man. Because what you'll find as you grow and your own brand grows is that the rich or the whatever you want to call it, the e-famous, get more famous. Because when you do eventually tip over and somebody finds you for the first time, they're like, oh, holy shit, you know, there's, this guy's got 200 podcasts, you know? 
And then each time you do that and you get new people listening in, you got that huge backlog. So you're, you're definitely doing what you should be doing, what I tell people to do, which is you just got to keep plugging away. It might take you three years, might take you five years, might take you 10 years. But when people find you and when they find your podcast, they really are going to be blown away. So I'm glad we got to talk and I'm glad I could be part of this. Yeah, awesome. And if you want to check Mike's information out, go to dangerandplay.com. I'll have everything in the show notes, all the resources that Mike mentioned. I'll have that in the show notes. But if you want to go over there right now, dangerandplay.com, you can also find him on iTunes at Mike Cernovich Podcast. And check out Gorilla Mindset. I mean, I love your breakdown on the mindset stuff. Mike, I think you you have a very clear, concise way of putting things that is easy to understand. And for as intelligent as I think I am, I appreciate that clarity and that simplicity that you bring to these ideas. And I think I just really appreciate what you're doing. Is there anywhere else you'd like the listeners to go to check out your stuff? No, Gorilla Mindset is on Amazon. Danger plays my home. I always tell people Twitter is a, a bit of a cluster, so I always tell people I always tell people go to Danger and Play first. Danger and Play is where I keep it very sort of like the conversation we had. Because some people go to my Twitter, and you know maybe we'll do another podcast down the road about my marketing, and they're like, "Dude, like your Twitter is like chaos." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, th- there's a reason for that." So I always tell people go to Danger and Play. We're very nice there. We're direct and to the point, but I actually like tone please. So if people are like, "Fuck you," it's like, "No, no, no." We're very much about people opening up here and being cool. But if you want the no holds bar, just crazy. If you want to call me an asshole and tell me you hate me, Twitter, I welcome that. I'm like, yeah, call, call me whatever you want on my Twitter. So Danger Play is where entry point should be. And then Gorilla Mindset is available on Amazon. And then if you, you, know, you like to get a little bit crazy, then it's the Twitter. Gotcha. Awesome. And Mike, I would love some last words from you just to the listeners about how to start embracing this Gorilla Mindset and start to live the type of life that they really want to live. Well, the, the great thing about life is that it really is how you want to choose to perceive it, and it really is never too late to change. That's what I've really learned about life and talking to people is people think, and I hear this all the time, about 18-year-old kids. Boy, I ruined my life. It's like, no, you didn't. You're 18. You're 50. You haven't ruined your life. You never know when you're going to have your big moment. And what you have to do today is you have to prepare every day for your moment. And you can. You can control your thoughts. You can control your emotions. You can completely change your body. You can change any aspect of your life if you break it down and you're deliberate and you're consistent. So that's what I tell you. Change your mindset. Change your life. Man, I love it. Mike Cernovich, thank you so much. And yes, would love to have you back on the show to address some of these other things that we didn't get a chance to address today. But again, I know you don't do a lot of podcast interviews, so I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us today. Really appreciate it, brother. Talk to you soon. 